I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and we've got a guest that's been on before who is my friend. You know, there's certain people that you meet even just over the phone and you just feel this warmth and you're like, oh, I've been friends with this person forever. Well, that's this person. His name is Luke Richards. He's a swimmer. He's an advocate. You'll have to say where you're swimming, Luke, because I'll mess it up. But um, he's he's calling in from Australia, and uh, we're just going to have a chit chat about putting deposits into your into your own bank account. So, Luke, thank you for coming back on the show. Oh no, thank you, thank you for for having me. I um I've, I've uh, I always love talking with you. It feels just yes, like you said, it's uh, it's just a conversation between two friends. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to talk to Luke tonight. Yay, that means I can relax. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And the, you know, the funny thing was is that uh, I had training this morning. I don't normally train and I got invited to go back to one of my old squads. And um, and the coach decided to sort of unleash holy hell on me. <laughs> and I was sort oh, of no. leaping into work. I feel like I'm about to have a sleep. Um but it was really great to sort of swim with just some people that I hadn't swum with for a while. And Yeah, tell our listeners that don't know, you know, the backstory, you know, about the swimming so we can catch new mm. listeners up on, on what that's for and what and where you're going to take it and all that. Yeah, so I started um, I started swimming really as a, as a, in a part of my, I'm a recovered alcoholic um, survivor of suicide and I've had lots of different mental health issues um, over the course of my life. Um, I still sort of suffer from anxiety and I started swimming really as a way to to add a bit of I suppose mental uh, just a, an overall fitness component to to my life because it was something that was sort of missing. I'd gotten really fat and I was tired of being fat and I was sort of heading to a rock bottom moment even though I was sober. Um, and I started swimming and I really loved it and I've gone a bit nuts with it and I'm starting to do ultra distance swimming or I have been for a little while. Um, and 
a while ago, um, an Australian um, Olympic swimmer um, was having an issue with alcohol and drugs and just got destroyed in the press. And then I decided that I wanted, I wanted to do things to, to show people what recovery was about and what people could people were different after recovery. And so um, I'm in the process of working towards doing a number of really long swims, one being swim around Manhattan and the next one being the English Channel um, over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. Amazing. That's amazing. And it's been what we were talking about, this listeners, just so you know, like we, we had 20 minutes of talking before I hit record. And then we were like, we should have recorded all that. <laughs> but we were talking about how, you know, different I sound than I did the last time we talked. And the last time we talked too, like in the time between that, because I think we talked in the fall of last year, or was it just before the fall? Yeah, just before the fall. Okay, so end of summer. Yeah, my life has completely changed. You had gotten a little bit off of track in in between our talk and and now with swimming and realized you were pushing yourself too hard. And so we were getting into conversations around, you know, what it means to um, be really kind to yourself, put yourself first, um, put deposits into your emotional and physical bank account so that you have, you know, a healthier life. And also about what it's like to, and this is great for anyone who's struggles with addiction of any kind, you get on this loop of um, being able to get through amazingly, you know, chaotic and crisis times. And I think we get addicted to living that way. And so we, we survive these horrendous challenges and we do amazing things, but we don't know what it's like to live life and be motivated by peaceful things. So <laughs> that's yeah, kind of what I'm yeah, covering now. <laughs> so what do you think about that, Luke? <laughs> I think, I suppose what I've learned over the last sort of six months, so, you know, I, I lost my job and um, I had to cancel my, my, my swim that I'd planned because I couldn't afford to pay for it anymore. I didn't know. I work in a very small niche industry and there's not many places to work. So I was in this, massive terror mode and I was the sole breadwinner for our family and in fact I remember washing the dishes and sort of sitting there going well there's this insurance policy on me and actually I'm really worth more dead than I am alive um right. you know and and I just I just didn't know like I was probably in a really horrible space and I I had I'd stopped doing anything for myself you know I'd stopped doing everything it was like I got this massive kick in the guts and the first place that I went to was Misery Station, uh, and I sat down, and uh, and I got on the train, and I was happy. I was sort of unhappily happy on that train, but the one thing that had changed is that I I'd, I'd stopped giving myself a gift every day, um, and that's not buying things. Um, that is the things that I used to do, which was you know making sure I swam every day or walk the dog, just you know me mental time so that I can set my mind to be what it to be ready for what it needs to be ready for because I if I don't have that then everything goes to the to the to the toilet right exactly exactly it does and it and it's like the slow creep 
you don't even realize just how many things I, I think of it like you're a pack mule and you're you just yeah. keep trudging along and and everything in life yeah just throw another bag I can take it I can keep on walking and you know you just don't even know how much you're carrying and, and people are throwing it on you you're throwing it on yourself and you can't see back there and then and, something and makes you go, I, I want it gone. I want all these, I want this g- luggage gone. <laughs> yeah, and when I'm like that, I just accept everything. I just take it all. Yes. It's like I go into the, the and then and then I get resentful as I go along um, because, you know, I'm not. <laughs> and, but what, what, what happened, you know, what happened with um, my, I got made redundant from work. And then um, my wife's best friend in the UK is, is not is terminally unwell, so she flew off to to the UK to spend pretty much a month with her. And then I had the, the kids first time full time, and I've never like mm. I'm a hands on dad, but going from that to full time carer, um, the kids weren't in daycare, um, so there was literally no escape or time for me to do anything for myself. Um, right. And so I, uh, it, 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 it was, I mean, on one side, um, I got to, to form a relationship with my kids that I had, would never have had had I not had that experience. And that's the most beautiful thing out of it. But I did struggle with, with being quite angry at times a, about yeah. my situation. And I focused outwards rather than what was my part and what had happened and what could have I done differently, which are all the things that I need to do to keep my head in the right space if I and and I and I lived in that spot for a really long time um and it eventually sort of wore me down um to the point where I just wasn't a really nice human being to live with for a while right and that that's I suppose it comes back to the the point about making sure that you know especially with for anyone I don't really care whether you're in 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 recovery or or you've got problems with with um, with anything it doesn't matter if you're completely normal and you're not afflicted with anything um, right. You need. I feel very strongly that that you have to give yourself time. We live in a really busy world. Um, you know, we all work stupid hours. Our emails always on. We're either on Facebook or whatever else, right. and that's not time for you to just be happy and exist with yourself and do things that show love to yourself. I think that's the point. You need to show yourself that you love yourself. If you don't, then you never will. That's I know, and it. And people laugh at that. I've laughed at that. And it, and it's more that I just didn't even know what that means. That's what we figured out with my therapist and I was, you know, she'd say, Kristen, do you believe that you have the right to practice self-care? And we finally figured out that, yeah, I really do. I do believe I have the right to self-care. I just don't know how the F to do it. I have no yeah. idea what to and do. That's, like, and that's that's trial and error, you know. Like I think, um, I think you know, when I first, uh, firstly, that was a lot of meditating. Um, you know, at some yeah. point in time, it was it, it was it was playing, um, you know, games on 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 a on a um, you know on a, on a PlayStation or something like that. Um, and it's it's gen it's it's eventually through trying lots of different things, it's evolved to be something that. You know, for me, my swimming is half. It sounds a bit stupid when you when you you know you get out, you, you're swimming, but it's quite meditative. I don't think about anything. Oh yes, it is. It's um, totally meditative. I love it. Yeah. And, 
and so I get this this experience of being you know having quite good exercise as well as my mind is just you know not buzzing at the hundred thousand miles that it's always buzzing at with lots of different things um you know trying to trying to attack attack all the time because I think we've discussed this before where you know I have this concept that that there's the that I've got a in my head there's the watcher on the wall you know and he's yeah. the divide between all the the shitty stuff that's always there a part of my language all the stuff that's there no um, that, that makes me behave badly um and then the and he's the moderator you know he keeps the he keeps the white walkers out um and every now and again right. he goes on holidays and and and, every, and, the, and everybody gets overrun yeah and I, I remember you know talking about you know what what is it that i would drink wine for um you know what, what is it that i would do that for and I did it because for three hours, you know, after I, my brain was not, my mind was not going off the rails like it is throughout an entire day. Um, I, I actually felt happy. That was like happy time. Now it isn't worth the side effects of it and the five days of anxiety now that I'm older that come along with, you know, with it. But, I I was like, okay, you know, we got to get to the why this because uh, it's not it, it's not an addiction to the alcohol. It's it was an addiction to the feeling, the ability to stop the brain from going all the time. Um that's yeah. what the addiction was to, and that is what it is for a lot of people. I think, and I'm I'm convinced that that's sort of where it you know it started for me. Where you know the 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 you know I didn't I drank for a long time before it became really problematic in my life. Um, but the moment I started to use it to become a painkiller um, or to right. take things away, I think you know prolonged use of that. Um, prolonged use, then you get the, the whole physical dependency kicking in and then and before you know it, yeah. it sneaks up on you. Like, And I think for me, I had a really long period of a lot of being in, I say that at this, when, it, when it all this particular thing happened to me, I lost my mind. Like I was as close to crazy as I think I'd ever be. Um, anxiety was so strong that I couldn't really function. Um, I didn't know, you know, I just, I was assaulted with visions of things that I just didn't ever want to see. Um, right. And, and it, you just can't cope with that. I couldn't cope with that. It just overloaded me the whole time. Um, and then that, and I, and, and the only thing that would, would dumb it was, was drinking. And I think that's what, um, you know, doing that for a year or longer, eventually right. the, my body got so used to being it that it, that it, that it became, it needed it, you know, and so you sort of exactly, it, it, you know, it's it, it just shows, you know, like I um I like to think that I'm a poster boy of not getting help. And what happens to you if you don't attack <laughs> these issues at the right time? You know, um, uh, when I first encountered mental illness in, at the age of eleven, um, you know, it very quickly led to to me attempting suicide. But I did I did I was I said to a psychologist, did I ever see anyone? I was about 30 by the time that happened, um, right. you know, and, and so it, it it's really, if you're not comfortable enough to sort of address these problems, 
um, then I suppose you, you, you run the risk of, of falling into many different traps, whether it be addiction or a permanent depressive state because you just can't work yourself out of it. Um, and sometimes you can't work yourself out of it. You need help. Like, I was thinking about this the other day that, you know, there's a, there's a, an amazing female swimmer named Diana Nayad and she was the, she was the first yeah. woman to swim, swim from, um, from Cuba to, Cuba to, to Florida. And she turned around and said, you know, this, I do the swim, but it's an expedition. You know, I need a team of people to make it happen. And I thought, life's an expedition. Life is yeah. an expedition. You, you need a team of people to get you through everything. You know, it doesn't matter. There is no I in that experience. And if you think you can do it by yourself, you know, there's very probably 1% people who just have the, the, the gumption to get it or the grit. Um, but I, I, I think the, the 99% of us, we, we, need, we need help. And to me, yeah. that. I mean, I, I know I do. I mean, why else would I, you know, do over a thousand shows talking about mental health? <laughs> that, I mean, it's advocacy, yes, but it also was helping me the whole time, you know, that I'm doing it in, in many, well, not the whole time, but some interviews were pretty awful, but it was also helping me. And it was a space where when I do an interview with anyone, I cannot um think about anything else i'm all i'm solely focused on that conversation so my brain while it is thinking about good questions to ask and you know how to sort of guide the story but it's a very focused it's not the typical rest of my day where there's a lot of stuff going on in there it, this is focus time and that shows up in the number of shows that I've done, I've needed to do them. So for me, that's like, you know, you're swimming. And now I, I have to get up and I have to walk my dog at the, um, there's a state park right near where I live. And I have to get out there. I put a book on tape and I play it in my backpack while I'm walking and we just trudge through and I work out a ton of anxiety on that walk that I normally would lay in bed and just feel that anxiety for two hours and then carry it with me through the whole day exhausted. Yeah. You can't, you can't function. Like I can't, I can't function like that. I need to, one thing I've actually realized quite, quite recently, and it was from um, listening to another person speak who basically said, you know, they, they, they they believe and they're a clinical psychologist that, you know, much, much depression and anxiety can be can be um, subdued, if not totally gotten rid of, by things like route, uh, getting up at the same time, because your brain gets into a particular rhythm, and it, and so I'm religious. Like I get up at at 4:30 a.m. every morning, even if I don't swim. Oh even if I don't swimming, I'm go, I'm getting up and I'm walking the dog and I'm doing whatever. Because I, I sleep about an hour either way sometimes but generally generally not and since I've started doing that um, I actually I believe that there's, there's been a difference um, in my overall mental position I'm waking up I'm actually wake up you wouldn't think that you wake up fresh getting up at 4 30 in the morning but I wake up no worries um, hmm. and and so I and and because I, I think once you get to a certain point um, you just little little tiny tweaks and just give you that extra little bit of anything 
and we need all the help we can get in that type of thing. Um, I wear these. I wear these um, these yellow glasses now, yellow lens glasses, because um, one of my one of my friends suggested that you know I sit in front of a computer screen all day that the blue light you know disrupts my capability to sleep. And right. So I wear these yellow glasses to get rid of blue light, and I've been sleeping like two hundred percent better. Really? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's <laughs> incredible. Um, and so I'm sort of trying to look for. It's all these little things to give myself to make it easier. Because when I'm tired, see, I've those are deposits. Those are those are those deposits into your account of you. Yeah, I, I, my natural stance is I, I'm weak, and it's not that I'm physically weak, but it, I'm my, I need to build up strength to get through the day, and to get right. through um, things that most people wouldn't like. I work. I work in sales, and um, and I had this thing where a customer just didn't was ignoring me, and they never normally ignore me. And straight away, my anxiety kicked in that that it was a doomsday event, and everything was going to be bad and horrible and whatever. Never did I think that actually maybe they're just in, they're really busy and they're in meetings all day. And for that whole day, right. I was like I was I was breathing shallow, and I was um, because I I couldn't cope with um, you know the, my because I hadn't done enough work in the morning. And I hadn't put enough in the bank. Um, right. At that moment, when when uh, I hate to use the term trigger, when something happens that affects um, triggers a fear. Because for me, my, all of my anxiety is fear. One hundred percent, everything right. is fear. Um, you know, I I see, and I don't think people really get what what anxiety is, especially here. We have quite a brash sort of, you know, men are tough type thing. Um, right. It's almost like that um, pioneer type attitude. And, um, and you know, when I've sat there talking to people and said, well, I see images of, um, you know, things happening to my children, um, catastrophic, horrible things happening to my children. I can't watch the news anymore because it triggered it. I start seeing things. Um, right. You know, and, and, and you get these, and they're vivid. It's like they're real. And you oh, yeah, your body is it. is reacting to this movie that you're creating like it's really happening. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like I saw this, I saw something flashed up on my Facebook feed the other day and it was about something really horrible, like some poor kid that got something really sick. And then I, I was in, my mind was playing what that would be like if that was happening to one of my kids. And right. I just, like, it, if, I, if I wasn't, um, able to um, do enough to, to, to get myself into a position where I can stop and go, that's not real, this is not happening, I would be in a completely be a mess for a day or more. You know, you know I could tell you, the, the, a therapist a few years ago had me do this exercise and it was really, because I don't do that anymore. I don't do my catastrophe movies anymore um, or I do them 10% where I used to do them 100. So mm. this is it's so simple. This is what I would do. And it, and it literally is an exercise. It's not, you know, you're weak or why can't you do it? It's literally because it's a muscle. So think of it in terms of your swimming. Like you, when you first started swimming, you couldn't swim as many laps as you can now, clearly, because you had to develop the lung strength to 
breathe <laughs> and the physical strength to do the laps because it's a muscle. So it's the same thing with our brains and our minds. That's a muscle. So she gave me an activity that I had to do, and it was every single time I catastrophized. Every single time. I had to go, oh, I had to stop myself somewhere in the middle of the movie, at the end, the beginning, wherever, and go, whoa, that's a scene that doesn't need to happen. And then just mm -hmm. picture an erase, like an eraser, erasing what movie I was making. And I looked at her and I was like, okay, whatever. And what happened is over the course of two weeks, I was mentally fried. And you know why I was fried? Because I had no clue how many times a day I was catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. And and it, mm -hmm. I just kept doing this exercise. I still do it sometimes. You know, um, I still do that sometimes. But now it's really easy for me because I built up the endurance and the muscles to go, eh, we're not going to think about that. I even, even with, um, you know, I just was dealing with this, uh, this company with this owner that is such an asshole. Oh, I just can't even tell you. This guy is horrible and horrible to a lot of people. And, um, I didn't, you know, you, you find these things out as you work with somebody and a younger me, or even a me from a few years ago would have just made a I don't know, lost sleep over this, just made a lot of movies about it and what I should do about it and blah, blah, blah. And this time, I swear it was so easy because of the muscles I built up to just go, yep, he's a jerk. Don't need to be thinking about him. Done. And it has taken me so long to be able to get to that place. <laughs> Yeah, and and then there's a what I think happens with me as well is that yeah you get to this place where you're just running and it's all good and you yeah you catch those ten percenters and you get and you're all good and you go ah you don't laugh at it but you go oh that's not good okay no worries that's not real tough you know put it in the put it in the bank put it put it in wherever in the bin not needing it but but what happens is when that when this is why it's so important I think to maintain the vigilance around how you love yourself and the things that you do to right. love yourself is that when you're not doing that, that, that defense, that shield that you've got just gets eroded away, gets eroded away. And then before you know it, before I know it, um, I'm there and I'm living through that stuff and it's impacting me and I've got this internal negative dialogue going all the time. Yeah. And, um, and, and, it, and, it, and it gets, it, it, it's come back and it's starting to drive the car. And it's sometimes, you know, it, it wasn't until I got into a place of quite, you know, a painful position, a mental pain. For me, it's always the same. And sort of thinking about this the other day, it felt really frustrating. I wish I could just actually go and get to the end point a little bit quicker, um, not have to go through. I just I'm right there with you. Like yeah. So I, I travel through this thing. I know it's not right, but I just can't do anything about it until I go. No, I've, like the the pain has got to a to a point. Like that pain, I can. I think I'm I'm so used to. I, I trained myself so long. It's also there's a bit of there's a sick pleasure in some of that pain. Like yes, you, you get you, addicted to it because it's that you, pain is an <clears throat> adrenaline hit. And, and then, if you're an addict uh, yeah. or 
you, that's a that's a hit. Trust me, it is. <laughs> yeah. I was say I've had to sit and go and ask the universe, God, whatever it is anyone believes in. I've had to sit and go, okay, got it. I get it that that there are things to be learned from pain. I've had a lifetime of it. That's wonderful. And guess what? Now I'm asking to learn things from peace. I just had never asked. Like it never occurred to me that you could actually ask to learn things from peace. And you know what happened the minute I did that? This is the funny part. All of a sudden, I just started having like long periods of peace. And when I say long periods of peace, I mean long periods of peace for me because I come from never having peace, right? So now I have stretches of peace, like two weeks, 11 days, and then something happens, not major chaos like it, and trauma like it has in the past, but something comes in and sort of blips it out of whack. And that's more like normal stuff. But I, I start to get itchy and bored because and, I'm looking for that adrenaline hit that comes from the chaos. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. So that was fascinating to realize that. Like, if you want to have lessons come from peace, then you're going to need to build those muscles on how to accept them and stop running for the, you know, the the crazy. And also that, Okay, this is what a ther- what my therapist said to me, which I thought was interesting. She said, why do you always live your life as if you're the poor little match girl? And I said, well, I said, what are you talking about? She goes, she goes, she goes, I mean, you, it's like you just believe that that's you, you, what you are, that that's all you're entitled to is to wear a torn rag and to, you know, have a little match and that's your only light. And and yet you do all this amazing stuff. You live in this wonderful place. You've totally turned your life into this peaceful healing space. You you have all this wonderful stuff, but you still live as if you're this poor little match girl. Like, let's work on you not doing that. And you know how you not do that. You do what we're talking about. You figure out, oh, that means I need to nurture myself. I don't need to wear rags. I can actually put on some nice clothes. I can, (laughs) I can't like, I'll give you a a physical example. I, I, in the place that I have now, it's absolutely beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And I went, I was going without light in my kitchen for like three months. It was down to one light bulb left. And it didn't occur to me to ask 
anyone of the, the people that own the property where the light bulbs are. Like, I'll just continue to live without really being able to see. <laughs> and that's what I tend wow. to do in my life. It's that pack mule. You just don't even, de- oh, I can deal with it. That's fine. You know, I'll make sure everybody else has got all the light on the planet and, and they can see everything fine. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I don't really cook all that much. It's okay. That's poor little match girl mentality. And that's what, you know, it's my job to get myself out of that because I don't, I'm not a poor little match girl. I was, but I'm not anymore. So I need to stop living like I am. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So when I first got sober, um, I, I went and lived by myself and I'd never lived by myself ever, but not even once. Um, and that in itself was a quite a formative experience. But one of the things, and I think it gets, again, comes back to, for me, the core is a routine, but I actually would like sit there. One of the things I'd get up and I'd you know, do my meditation and my prayers every morning. And then I, when I was getting dressed and ready, I would actually sit there and look at myself in the mirror, um, which is, was hard because I never looked at myself in the mirror. I hated what I saw. I'd actually just sit there and I would actually verbalize and look, um, you know, you're you're actually a good guy. Um, mm. You don't know. You, it's okay for you not to know who you are right now. Um, but if you just keep doing the next, you know, the best that you possibly can, it'll all work out in the wash. And today, you know, you're going to go find someone, and and uh, if you get the opportunity to help someone, then you will. And by doing these things, you would build up things um you know to get to that because i needed to actually physically verbalize a lot of that stuff i mean i don't need to do that now but it was it was as basic as that um because i didn't believe it um and i didn't and 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 i think i think we spoke about this last time like i through that process i became so comfortable with the truth of me that i didn't need to lie anymore because i was a professional liar not because i wanted to be duplicitous in any way it's just because i i I was afraid that people would hate me um right and and you were lying to yourself too so yeah exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) so and 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 i think that today you know when i met when i met met dominique my wife then i was at this place where i loved myself for the first time and therefore i was able to truly engage with her in a way and love her in a way that I've never loved anyone else. And, right. and I, that, that whole, the whole gift thing and showing yourself is love. You know, if you, it's not, it's not as easy as it just going, oh, I'm going to go and run every day. That's my thing of love. Um, if the right. dialogue in your head is, doesn't match that. And, and sometimes um, for me, I had to actually start with verbalizing the things that I, the opposite of what my brain said. And then eventually my brain caught up with me and and I got to the point where I was, boom, I was comfortable and now I'm okay. And I, and I accept that I'm going to have moments where I stumble and fall. You know, I'm human, I make mistakes. And every now and again, I will be an a-hole. <laughs> um, but it's, exactly. But you know, actually, the, the funniest thing happened, um, you know, in the last couple of months, right? So um, I was, we were getting down to like running on cash fumes, basically. 
Um, right. and, and, and someone called me out of the blue saying, hey, hey would you be interested in, in, in a job? And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I would. And, um, <laughs> and, and I found out that I got recommended by someone that I had been quite possibly the biggest bastard to when I worked with him. Like I just <laughs> was horrible to this guy. I treated him with disrespect, uh, with disdain. I just, I resented him for a whole heap of stuff that had nothing to do with anything. And here was this guy that probably should have, you know, I hadn't even seen for like eight or nine years. Saved, through me a lot, indirectly through me a lifeline and saved my ass. Wow. And and last week, you know, I, I, I went out, I finally, finally got to court, catch up and, and um, I took him out to lunch and and uh, just to, to thank him for, for for helping me and to actually to make an amends that I had was off my list originally and to realise that to to show sit there and go well I mean, it was quite a really it was a really funny moment because sometimes people don't don't get the whole amends process they get a bit put back by it. yeah um, but it is quite amazing to sit there and say hey man I um I was a complete and utter dick. And I resented you because of this, this, and this, and I'm sorry for that. Um, and and what you did for me now showed me actually the type of person that you really are. And I hope we can be friends. Oh, what did um, he say? You know, and he, he said to me, he goes, oh, he said he, he was sort of blown away. And he said, you know, I, I always thought of you of being here and he had his hands at his shoulders. And now, like, you're just up here in my estimation. Uh, above oh, his head. wow. So you, I suppose I don't even know why I said that. I think it's just, it was amazing to, to see, you know, I don't think that if I was in a position where, um, you know, I wasn't comfortable with myself, I could still actually do those things. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have some serious confidence and self-worth in your bank account from you putting in deposits to be able to do something like that. I, I've had those moments too. I mean, I had a, <laughs> when I was pregnant, um, I, I had, I don't know what I had, but I was in, my hormones were just off the charts, horrible. I, Michael was like, yeah, your head was spinning every day and it was horrible. And I was so awful to this security guard at the hotel that I worked at. I mean, I, and he was so kind. And I was venomous to this guy. And after I had my son, you know, and the hormones, you know, were out of my body and whatever, I ran into him and I was like, oh, my God, I am so, how did you, how did you tolerate me? I, I was possessed by like a demon. I mean, I was awful to you. And he just gave me a hug and he said, I knew it wasn't really you. I blubbered in his arms, but I mean, it's amazing that people, you know, will hold you in that space and um, and just know that there's something else going on and love you anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a very similar experience, and I can't remember what I told you this uh, or I mentioned this, but I was, um, I was, I used to go to this sort of little, little. Um, 
supermarket that also sold liquor that was around the corner from my house when I was drinking and I would get in there like you know and they weren't legally supposed to sell me alcohol and the people took pity on me and would and I'd you know probably bought booze and never remembered I remembered sort of people there um, and then in my sobriety I, I I bumped into someone um, one of those guys he was he was at another supermarket in my new area and we sort of looked at each other and went and he's like, did you used to live in blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, yeah, I used to, I used to, yeah, yeah, yes. And then, then I sort of had this moment and said, uh, I guess you used to buy a lot of alcohol. And I said, yeah, I don't drink anymore. Mm. And um, he'll, he'll uh, somewhat tease me up a little bit, but he said to me that he, he said, you know, it made him really happy. And he always yeah. worried whether or not something had happened to me. You know, you I'm saying, Lou, I'm I'm saying there's this thing about you and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, that you're a special snowflake above everybody else, but there is this thing about you and I think I have this too, maybe, where people root for you. They know, they can tell, they can sense who you are and they, mm-hmm. and they can sense that you're in trouble or that you're having a hard time, but your heart is so good. Um, and I know everybody, you know, has that capability and everything. There are just some people that, like, you can really see it and you see them going through a really hard time and you're like, oh, I ache for that person because I know who they really are. And it's just easier to see in in some people than it is in others, maybe – I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you have that thing because I feel that that about you too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, and, and, I, and I think it's the same. It's also, you know, I think the last time we spoke, you know, I was, um, I was, uh, I, I could feel the the. I, I could tell from your voice what was what what where you were and what sort of pain mm. you were going for. Through. And it's one of those, and and um, it's such a hard thing, you know, because you, I want to, my, my natural thing is to go, right, I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to come over, I'm going to see you, I'm going to help fix you up. But none <laughs> of that works. Like, like, I can't actually do that. It's not about, like, I can physically do that, but 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 none of that actually helps you get out from where you are. And I so have challenging to myself to out of this one. Well, you, you, you have, like, you know, I can't, I can't help anyone if they're not in the right place to be helped, and neither can you. Right. And, you can, and, and I can't, and I cannot be helped if I'm not in the place. You know, I have to get to that. My, I have to get to the bottom every time. I don't get to the middle. I have to go to the bottom, sit down there. Go, oops! Now I have to come back up. Um, that is yeah. just the way I'm wide. For, right. No, I have and to get to the okay. bottom right. every time. It's okay. It's somewhat frustrating when you come up and you go, fucking hell, I could have just saved myself like two months worth of pain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cause, 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 and pain for everyone else, you know, because the, the one thing yeah. I've come to realise is, is it's not about me. You know, like, you know, I, 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 I love my kids to death, but I was not, not behaving to them in a way that I want to. No, I... I'm trying to not behave the way I was raised 
I'm trying to be the exact opposite to all of that. Um, not because right. it was it wasn't anything particularly horrible, um, but I I want to be an emotionally supportive dad. I want to be all of these things that that I I sort of felt was missing. Whether they were right, whether I'm right or wrong, that was my perception. You know, my my parents are incredible. Both my both my dads have stepped in when I've needed it every single time, and I love them to death. Um, but there was something that I needed as a kid that I wasn't getting. And that's okay too. But I'm trying to plug that gap. And when you find sometimes, when I, I when I got to the point, I think this is where I really started to get to the bottom. When I realised that actually, I'm not being that person. I'm not being the person that I want to be for my kids. That was yeah. really the, the 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 rock bottom. You know, I remember sitting there one night, and I got really upset at Rafi, and I was yelling at him, and he started crying. And I just, just like, is this, is this what? And I, and I could see that he was, he was scared. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. That's this has to stop. Like I cannot, I cannot. If I keep doing this, it's just I'm going to end up with kids that don't want to talk to me, that don't want to be around me, that are afraid of me, and I don't want that. Um, oh boy, yeah, I totally. I have to get to that point. I have to every time, and it and it and it sometimes is frustrating to hell. How old are you, Luke? I'm forty forty-four. Okay, okay. At forty-four, just FYI, at forty-four, I was still at that point. I really was, and I'm not saying I'm in some far pasture ahead of you. I don't mean that. Everybody de- developed in their different ways. I just mean on this particular thing where I always had to go to the bottom to get. I I was that way, and when I talked to you last was was me just before I did the most courageous, self empowered. Um, painful thing that I could have done totally for myself uh, was the biggest no I've ever said in my life of, regarding abuse and just all, just a huge fat no to I will not live this way I will not be treated this way so I was actually being extremely um, kind to myself and and really standing up for just me, not for somebody else, which is really easy for me to do, but really standing up for me. And I was just getting to that point the last time that we talked. And it wasn't until this year that I did my little prayer where I said, okay, 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 okay. (laughs) I now accept profound life lessons from peaceful situations. (laughs) And the minute that I did that, I started having profound life lessons come from peaceful situations. Now, I'm not saying I reacted well because I was like, what is this? This is weird. I'm not used to this. What does this mean? I tried to make them horrible in order to get it. And then I went, oh, 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 okay, okay. I asked for this. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. So... You you know I'm I'm just saying it still will come like you don't have to always go there. Um, I used to be like, did you see the movie Forrest Gump? Mm. Yep. Did you 
Okay, you know how yeah. Captain da- Captain Dan is on the sh- the shrimp boat and he's screaming at God on, when he's at the top of the mast and he's screaming mm-hmm. at God during that storm, saying, "Give it to me, give it all you got." That was me. Like I took like this pride in, "Give me everything you got. I can handle it. You can't put my lights out to whoever I was yelling at." And then I, like this year, I'm like. I, yeah, you know, I don't really need that. That's <laughs> not a badge of honor anymore. That got me through what I needed to get through uh, until now. And now, like, I have a peaceful life, I have a peaceful dwelling. I'm focusing on myself. I did a very brave, courageous act for myself. It was horribly painful. And now a lot of really great, just as profound life lessons come in, and pain is not attached to them, which is amazing. That's invariably the difference. Pain is temporary under that instance. When you do that, pain is temporary, and it passes, and you can deal with it, and you can move on. But when you when you live in the other space, which is not surrounded by self loving yourself first, you are in pain all the time, and it becomes yeah. persistent, and it becomes malignant, and it becomes a yeah. cancer on your soul, and it, and it, and affects everything else that goes around around you. And it's sort of a I feel it's a, sometimes a bit of a paradox with it's one of the sort of um, one of the theories or the I think it's, the things they say about recovery is you know you've got to not be selfish because I'm selfish. Um, but I've come to understand that there's good selfish and bad selfish, for me anyway. And the good selfish is is that I have to look after myself and my mental health and what I do and and, and love myself because if I'm not good, then I can't, I'm I'm no good to anyone. When I'm not good, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not a positive role model for my children. When I'm not good... I'm not a loving, supporting husband to my wife. When I'm not good, I lie. When I'm not good, I do all of these things. And so right. I, I have to. And, and it's, it's, it's hard because you, 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 when you're good, you want to be good to everyone. You want to help everyone. And what eventually happens is you, you slowly but surely take inches, inch steps away from looking after yourself and then you're back yep. into the place of looking after everyone else. And, 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 and <laughs> Yes, and whilst I say, you know, and and whilst I am, I do get frustrated that I, I feel like I have to go to rock bottom. I also on the on the other side, I feel like that's just that's just what I have to do. Like it's just what I have to do to get to the next part of my journey. And 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 it, and so it is right that. now. It is, and it may be forever. But yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm not saying you'll ever not be that way. I'm just saying it was just nice for me to. To know that I have a choice. Well, yeah, I get and, it. And, you know, you know that, that's the funny thing, right? Is when you feel like you have no choice and you're forced into a situation, then your choice is you—you you, you actually still have a choice, and the choice is to not to not be in that situation, regardless of what the consequences are on the other side. And it's invariably yeah. things that the things that you are afraid of on the other side is actually, uh, yes, an increased intensity of pain for a much shorter period of time. 
Yes. Yeah, it was it was really fascinating to say a big fat no and have everybody in my life, except for like Melanie uh, and a few people that, you know, um, our program director, Melanie, and, you know, a couple other people that knew what was going on. But everybody else, you are so selfish, Kristen, you are so awful. You're so this and and to still have a bunch of catastrophes come up that I normally would be around to take care of and handle and have people be so angry with me because they were having to take care of them instead of me. And these are their problems, but they were so angry with me that I wasn't rescuing them and make smoothing everything over. And I had to get to that point where literally some things that happened were kind of life and death. I mean, yeah, they were. And I, and I still said, nope, I'm not coming. I'm not coming back. I'm going to stay right where I am and you'll have to handle this. And for, for me to sit and go, that is how much you're going to care about yourself. That mm-hmm. is how much you're going to care about yourself. Nothing is going to move you away from this space that you're in because that's always what's gotten me. So, you know, I, I would I would step out of being codependent and a rescuer and all those things and go start creating a healthy, happy life for myself. And then, of course, Eight million disasters require my attention that I have to come in and save. And I played my part in that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that's other people's fault. I got juice out of that, too. But this is the first time where I went, oh, hell no. No, I am not moving from this spot. And it was extraordinarily painful to to be there. And it was like uncharted waters. But thank God I did. And I'll tell you, I wanted to die. I did not want to live during that time, but I'm glad that I um, I'm glad that I did because that was the first step towards you are going to learn how to treat yourself with respect and love and care and you know exactly what we were talking about. You're going to learn how to you know do these things that you don't know how to do for you, but you do for everybody else. It was just it was bizarre. That. Look, uh, just my 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 heart just fluttered a little bit to hear you <laughs> say that. Um, a because I can I can imagine how how hard that that has been to to go over, but also to 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 hear that I can I can hear it in your voice so that you're in in a place that 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 you're comfortable with, and and the reality is is that you know you you can. Um, if, if there's people you need to mend bridges with later, you can just turn around. It's, I thought you can be honest about what was going on. Like I can't, this is what was happening. And if I continue to be well, on this place, I could have been. And if they choose to forgive you, they do. If they don't, then there's not much you can do about that. Um, but it's so happy. It's making me so happy to, to, to hear that, that you are where you are. Um, well, I'll tell you I what, think, even... Even my son, my baby, my only child, who's an adult, was pissed. Yeah. And we didn't talk. We did not talk for three months. And um, and I was like, 
I'm choosing me even over you, my love. So you're, because he was being horribly, he was very angry because I wasn't rescuing. He was having to deal with some stuff that he's not used to having to deal with. And uh, I was like, sorry, baby. At 5, 10, 15, 18, I chose you, but you're an adult. And now I choose me. And um, now, you know, about a month ago or so, he um, reached out to me. And it was hilarious because he's not a big one for talking about feelings and stuff. He will with me only. Or I'm probably the only person that he'll talk to about that kind of stuff. But um, he called me and I said, so, and it was just like nothing had happened. <laughs> and I said, so what's up? And he goes, well, I might have to have this surgery. And I realized that no one would come but you. So I better make up with mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I said, well, that's real deep, honey. I'm so glad, and we joked about it. But it, but there, there's a respect from him that's in our relationship now that there wasn't before, and it took the three months of of no contact and me thinking, oh my God, I'm now estranged from my kid for that to happen. And I think. I, I guess I say this to listeners where, you know, you've made hard choices. You've told loved ones, no, you've even people that you love that maybe when you're around them and they're in their addiction and you can't be around them because you are not in it. You're in recovery, but you love them. And say, give yourself that time away, as you know, Luke, because then you, if things are going to, like you just said, if they're, if they're going to repair, they're going to repair from a healthier place. And that having been apart gives you the time and space to get to that healthier place. You don't have to keep mixing in the soup to get things to be healthy. Sometimes healthiness is just pulling yourself out. Mm. Well, then you can be what you're supposed to be for them. You can be a support and not a savior. You know, exactly. You can, you, because my job is to, to guide, not to tell. Right. You know, and so I can't. If you if you can't break your own cycle, then you're actually eventually going to be no use to anyone, right? Right. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and and it's so good that you know you've come around where that place, and it just made me think that when you're dealing with these situations as well, the hardest thing to do, and more and more I experience, I see situations, um, it's expectations of the downfall almost every single relationship that I've ever had. Either right. people having expectations of me, my expectations of them, uncommunicated most of the time, um, <laughs> and especially in families. You know, I have an expectation that because you've done that 17 other times before, you're going to do it. And when you don't do it, <laughs> I resent. And the opposite of expectation is resentment. And I resent you. Um, right. I don't think about the fact that I've never spoken to you about it. I don't think about any of that stuff. And and it and it's it's incredible how how much you know you can sit there in almost every situation sit there and go. Uh, I remember talking about my wife and I'm like, okay, she's telling me something, telling me at work. I'm going, okay, well, what did it sounds like X person expected Y from you, um, and you have an expectation that she's going to behave like X, and she's like, yes. Yeah. So have you ever communicated that to each other? No. Right. Well, <laughs> there you go. Um, and it's very, it's, it's always easy after the fact and listening to someone else go, but, but when you think about the situation with your family and people getting angry at you, um, 
it's because they expected you to behave in a way that you decided not to behave in anymore. Yep. And it's challenging navigating that. Um, and it's I find sometimes quite often easier to do it after the fact um, when everyone's calm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Who knows what may or may not else be repaired, but the only one I really cared about was, you know, my son, and that's in a much better place. And, um, you know, the other ones, I'm probably in it, I'm probably healthier for life without them. That was the big one for me was, was you know, I, I want to see this come to a better, healthier place with, my child because I love him more than anything and um, sometimes that means stepping out which again is an act of self-care I want to close this with because you and I can go forever but I want to stress something that you said it isn't easy especially when you've dealt with addiction when you've dealt with like I did with childhood abuse and all that kind of stuff Self-care is not easy. And I have often looked at people that do like, um, you know, get up every day and go to the gym and then they go do this and that. And I look at them like, I haven't showered in three days. Like that seems like an impossible. (laughs) Or I had someone tell me, oh, I use this scrub on my body every day when I'm in the shower and I just scrub away the day. And when they were telling me this, I I was like, oh, my God, that seems like so much work. And yet I would tell somebody else to do that. And I guess what I tell people to to try to do is think about the stuff that you make a conscious effort toward doing for yourself that seems like, oh, but I got to do all these other things or I got to da-da-da-da-da or that's a frivolous activity and try to do some of them anyway because they just they do make a big difference and be kind about it because self-care is not it really isn't easy <laughs> no and that's why it has to become but like, sorry it doesn't, for me it has to become a part of my routine because once yeah. it, it's like um it, it becomes an avalanche right once once it's hard to start but once you start once you start, it's easy to continue. And mm. I've spoken to my wife a lot about this, and it, and she always says, "You." I, I, I always say, "I am, I am vigilant. I my def- I, about the things that I need to do for myself, and I try to make yeah, it in time. It doesn't impact everyone else, but you have to be vigilant. No, this is my time for me, and I will make sure you get time for you." But this is my time for me. It's not negotiable. Nothing happens. If I don't do it, it's not good for anyone. And we yeah. recognize that. Um, and if you start with a uh, an unbendable, un- not negotiable, and then then it, it becomes a lot easier. And also doing it where things can't get in your way. Like that's why I do everything before I start work. But then nothing gets in my way. And then I'm not too tired right. of anything. Um, right, exactly. Make it easy for yourself to do it. Yeah. Make it easy for yourself to do it. Right, exactly. And it could be little things. Like tonight, I have a meeting at 9, and it, you're 12 hours ahead of me in Australia. But 
Um, I have a meeting at nine. I don't like to do late meetings, but whatever, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to go sit and I'm going to meditate in this gorgeous space I created. I'll send you a picture of it so you can see it. It's beautiful. And just like I didn't call you for however long because I had told you I was going to start swimming and I never did. I've done the same thing with this space. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's calling my name. I put it together with the help of Melanie. And every morning I wake up and walk by it. And I'm like, I don't want to look at it because I haven't used it yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> so tonight I'm going to go up there and put on my brainwave headphones and uh-huh. listen to a um a, uh, a meditation and and freaking break in that space that I put there for that reason but I'm not going to allow myself to shame myself for any times that I miss it. No, do it before you go to bed. If it's on your way past, do it before you go to bed every night. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's what you do listeners like do these things, and if you miss out and you stop doing them, you're not allowed to be mean to yourself for not doing them. Yeah. That's yeah. tough. Because then, then it adds it to yet another failure, and then you start avoiding what's good for you because you've, quote, unquote, failed. So do them, and then give yourself a free pass every time you don't do it. Just start doing it again whenever you get back to the place where you can. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, just it, you don't have to make it too big. Just make it nice little small chunks as well. Do little bits. Before you know it, you've done a whole lot of little bits, which is much better than doing just one big thing. Exactly. Well, Luke, stay on for a second after, but thank you for mm. coming on again and having an epic, awesome conversation. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. I um, I actually just uh, I I actually feel really I was, kind of, was I had a bit of a tense day ahead of me, and now I feel super relaxed. Um, Good. And that that means it's been a, a great experience. So thank you. Good. I'm. Well, you're so welcome, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in and listening to our private yet not private conversations on Mental Health News Radio. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.